Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, the sports animals in the morning on ESPN Honolulu. Thursday. This time of the year, it's sometimes it's hard to remember. It shouldn't be hard to remember, but to determine what day of the week it is with the holiday and so many sports. But we can confirm that it is Thursday morning. That's, we're one for one so far, Tanner. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth. Chris Hart on vacation. Liz Stacy running the controls here. Thank you guys for joining us. And I know back in the day on Around the Horn, Tony Reale would say, Ball night today. Tonight is ball day. Well, today. Yeah, today. Day and night, which is even better because we have the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic presented by the Hawaiian Islands. Hours away, in fact, they are just three hours away from the first game. 10 a.m., bright and early, we have got the first of four games, and it will be Nevada versus Temple. I think Nevada should win that. And then you heard Bobby a few minutes ago. I'm hosting TCU. They have Old Dominion. That's the first doubleheader. Later on, Georgia Tech and UMass at 4, and Hawaii versus Portland coming up at 6 tonight. As I like to say, Tanner, I can't wait. Look, that TCU game, I think that should be renamed to the uh, the Gary Dickman Bowl. Uh, <laughs> the battle of the, uh, the, of the two teams that, one, you host, uh, and one that you, or at least a coach that you have hosted before. <laughs> Twice, in fact, with Jeff Jones. How many times has that happened where you've had two teams that you've hosted before? It's happened with two teams, not the same coach. Because right. I've, ho- I've hosted Iona twice. First time Jeff Ruland, then last year Rick Pitino. And I've had uh, Jeff Jones, the coach, was at Virginia back in 97. In fact, their director of uh, operations yesterday remembered the years and everything. It was 07, 97 and 04. I had him at American University. And I got to see them at practice yesterday. The cool thing is, even though I'm not hosting Old Dominion, they said they got a whole bunch of shirts for me anyway. I always <laughs> love those. Uh, so I got that. One of the things TCU gave me real quickly was pretty cool. A lot of them are wearing them on the plane. It's a black T-shirt with purple lettering of the lay, and it said TCU Ohana. Oh, that's cute. And that was pretty cool. So I saw some of the players wearing it. They already gave me that uh, so far, and they said this more. So I always look forward to that. But basketball is going to be fun. If you're any kind of basketball fan, I know most of you listening are, if not all of you, and Tanner and I are, uh, can't wait for this tournament. This is this is great. And, you know, the Maui Invitational, of course, is cool, but it's not always here. In fact, it's never here until this year, and it's a great tournament. But when we have Hawaii in this tournament, especially after last year's dramatic win, this is going to be exciting. Yeah, I feel like Bart Scott in that postgame presser. Can't wait. 
I, I think I've got a, a, a snapshot of that somewhere, but uh, I can't wait for those games. Now, just real quick on the Hawaii game, it's scheduled for 6 p.m. And when I say scheduled, I'll tell you why, because we're going to have <laughs> Rainbow Warrior Countdown, Josh Pacheco and myself, at 5 o'clock for a 6 o'clock start. But the way these tournaments work, and Bobby talks about it a lot, and it happens every year, uh, for some reason, and I've heard it's for TV scheduling, the game at 4 o'clock, as I mentioned, Georgia Tech, UMass. The Hawaii game, there's no way it's going to start at 6 o'clock because most college basketball games are two hours, at least on the men's side, within a few minutes, almost every single game. It's incredible. But you have to give the teams time to warm up. Now, they try to give them 30 minutes, but they have to give them, by rule, a minimum of 20 minutes. So if the first game ends at 6, well, the Hawaii game will start at 6.20. So we'll keep you alerted on that. So you might get more of a Rainbow Warrior countdown uh, than you bargained for or maybe even hoped for uh, with Josh and myself today coming up at 5 o'clock. That part we know we're starting at 5 p.m. As far as Hawaii tomorrow, if they win, uh, I'm going to go through the brackets again. If they win, I believe they, they would play the at 6 p.m. They get the winner of Georgia Tech or oh, I know that, yeah, but sure. at the time. They would oh, play at 6 p.m., I believe, tomorrow again. Yeah. And if they would lose, they would play at 8 p.m. tomorrow. But we'll worry about that for later on tonight. Uh, keeping with basketball for a minute, we have the Iolani Classic, and they are now getting ready for the semifinals. Unfortunately, no Hawaii schools in the uh, semifinals or even in the quarterfinals, I believe. But you do have Christ the King out of New York beating Pace Academy of Georgia 64-50. See, the thing is, when I say these names, not too many people are going to be familiar with them, I know. But if you if you follow this at all, you'll know that DeMatha, for an example, out of D.C., they say out of Maryland, but it's basically on the border, uh, they beat the Masters Academy 78-49. DeMatha's a very uh, historic high school as far as turning out future college and NBA stars like Kevin Durant. Uh, also, you had Oak Ridge over Vashon. Oak Ridge is in Florida, 60-56. to And the one game also... Uh, that it, well, I, get, I said the yeah, Hawaii schools weren't able to advance to the semis. They were in the quarters, there and that was, was Iolani. <laughs> but they did lose to St. John Bosco, 71-40. to 40, And uh, we know that St. John Bosco is good. But we got the semi tonight. We have coverage on CBS 1500, also the championship tomorrow. That is a good thing. A lot of basketball. and. Love it, love it. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's not much to say. Ilani's playing the number nine team in the nation, so I mean, it just kind of happens like that. And you know, shout out to to the you know kind of kind of slowing down Brandon McCoy, their star player, to only have 17 points, but it was. Um, yeah, not not the best of basketball games, probably. I was at the. They t- got better and better as the game went on, yeah. for sure. But like, and I'm still, sure they though. played them hard. But this, this, the size disparity is usually a big difference maker, and obviously talent as well. But the Hawaii teams always play these <laughs> mainland schools tough. And again, going to Waikiki now, being the host for TCU, one of the uh, valets at the uh, team hotel was just saying how crowded it is, which is a good thing. And there's just so many basketball teams all over the place, and there's also a football team as well. San Jose State is staying right next to. And I saw Brett Brennan in the lobby yesterday just uh, talking with a lot of people as they got ready to practice in the rain at St. Louis School. So we'll get more on that. In fact, we'll have tickets to give out for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl a little bit later in the show. Uh, The third big story we are following, of course, is the uh, early football signing period was starting yesterday morning. It did start yesterday morning. It's a three-day deal. And for the University of Hawaii, they got 14 players 
out of the 15 they had hoped for. So we'll talk a little bit about the 15th a little bit later. I know Tanner's up on that. I'm going to give you uh, some of the names, and I'm going to let uh, Tanner comment on it. The big name that we've been hearing and listening about to, uh, listening to the talk and hoping for that signature we wanted his autograph really badly yesterday, Micah Alejado, the 5'10 quarterback out of Bishop Gorman, is signed, sealed, and delivered. I'll let you comment. Yeah, big things come in small packages. He's the number four ranked player overall in the state of Nevada. Two-time Nevada Player of the Year by Max Preps two years in a row. Number 33 quarterback nationally in the class, according to ESPN. Yeah, he's a consensus three-star recruit, but this is the thing. Four interceptions in his career, career. as a quarterback. Two, I think last year he threw for like 50-something touchdowns and only like two interceptions. So... There is stuff to be excited about. Um, you could see this on demand at ESPNHonolulu.com. Josh Pacheco had a talk with Micah Alejado. It was a really great talk. Um, really kind of opens your eyes to kind of – I think there was a lot of question marks about the maturity and the character of Micah Alejado if you went on his Twitter the last couple of months. But you could tell from that talk, I think it definitely answered a lot of questions. And definitely makes you, it made me like him a whole lot more. And I was in his camp the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) I will have to listen to that. And I did see that Josh had him on yesterday. You and I were talking about maybe reaching out to get him on our show. Josh. Now we got to wait a week. Josh obviously overheard (laughs) that and stole him from us. Just joking about that, of course. Okay, let's get some more players in here. Now, Frank Abreu, we talked about yesterday out of Maui, the tight end. 6'4", 200, great size. And right. you would think he's probably not done growing. No, and so he set the uh, Kamamea School's Maui all-time receiving record with 1,846 career receiving yards. He's the first ever, I think, KS Maui recruit to go from Maui straight to the University of Hawaii. He's definitely going to be very exciting to watch, like you said. 6-4. They say he's listed as a tight end, so maybe he's going to be more seen as a kind of big slot, if that makes sense. Think of a uh, Jordan Matthews from a couple of years ago. Went to Vanderbilt, was drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles. Right, I remember him, He had yeah. a good couple of years before he his career eventually winded down, but... When I think of a big slot, that's a kind of size and kind of a guy I'm thinking about when I think of a guy like uh, Frank Abreu. I mean, there's a mixture of Hawaii players, Hawaii high school players, or now I guess it could be former high school players and mainland players as well. Many of them, I think the majority are from the state of Hawaii. What about Nazaya Carvalho? Now, he's out of Campbell High School, and I believe I heard you talking about him Probably yesterday, I guess right. it was. He's got some size too. I like when you see these fresh. I like when freshmen come in. You and I talked about that. You have to have to get a mixture, of course. But when you get guys that you can see improve every year for four years, hopefully, uh, you like that. You want to see them also grow, uh, especially at the position that they might be like he as a defensive end, six two two twenty three. Not bad. Right, red uh, out of Campbell, and then he was at uh, Kamehameha Kapalama for a couple of years before then too. Um, I think that's what a lot of people want to see from Carvalho is growth. Uh, He didn't really have the best of senior seasons. I think he definitely had a better junior year, in my opinion. So I think that's what a lot of people close to recruiting definitely want to see out of Nazaya Carvalho is growth, uh, whether it be size or production. 
And I'm not going to go over every name right now. Actually, I will eventually in the next few minutes, but uh, <laughs> we're not going to move for. We'll move a little quicker through it. But one player, I know you've talked about him when I he think, gave his verbal. I think that's commitment. a criticism on my part. No, 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 no. It isn't. It isn't. <laughs> I mean, we could go on and on for three hours, and we will spend a lot of the show on this. Al, we are hoping to have Timmy Chang on tomorrow. We're trying to get a time. Uh, nailed down for him, but we'll have his comments on that. But Tui Muti out of Punahou, the offensive lineman, now he committed a, lo- a while ago verbally. And just some of the stuff I've been reading about him recently. Right. This guy looks like he could be an impact player for Hawaii as right. well. Right, and he was also the first signee of this class because he had the liberty of being in Spain. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's so he, was the, uh, he signed that about Tuesday at 10 p.m. Uh, before Wednesday ever came out. But yeah, he's uh, top one of the top offensive linemen in Hawaii. One of those first uh, couple of verbal recruits that came in for the University of Hawaii last summer. Uh, but yeah, he won the uh, KHON2, their cover two. He won the Olin Krutz Award as the top lineman of the year in the state. He, If you think about Punahou the last couple of years, what's the thing you think of the most is how good that they've been in that power run uh, with Alai Williams and uh, Josepa Lyman. I have had the liberty of watching Tuimuti the last two years. I think last year he played guard. This year he played a lot of tackle. So that's something that Roman Sapolu preaches a lot is that versatility. Right. So that's something that we could be seeing out of Tuimuti who will probably play guard at his size. So I'm I'm very excited for him, especially because, you know, he comes from the good old Punahou. I would imagine you would feel that way about it. You know, every every coach or coaching staff has their connection, uh, maybe their recruiting area. Like, you know, for basketball, they've gone international in Australia, right. New Zealand recently. Uh, Ron has those connections from the St. Mary days. And for different coaches, let's say like Todd Graham, as an example, I can use him as an example. He recruited heavily out of Texas. He had a lot of connections there. You got Matthew Shipley from there. You got Braden Shaker from there. A whole bunch of other players from Texas as well. Well, one thing about this staff right now at the University of Hawaii, you've got Chris Brown on staff. And he obviously has the Las Vegas connection, being a coach, a former coach at Bishop Gorman. So besides the Hawaii players from high schools here that sign, there's a lot of them, or quite a few at least, from Las Vegas. Dion Washington is a player you brought up the other day as well, and he's from Shadow Ridge High School in Nevada. It's not Bishop Gorman, but 6'2", 290, again, really good size for such a youngster. he's actually a transfer player from the University of Nevada. Right, and sure who was that. on the staff when he was recruited to Nevada? Think about all of the former Nevada guys that are on this coaching staff. When Timmy Chang, uh, Coach Sheffield as well. So I think that was something that uh, both Chef and Timmy were talking about when they were talking about Dion Washington is a relationship that they had with him before. And I know a guy like Chef is probably very excited to have a guy like Dion Washington who can all can play very well, obviously, in the interior being at 6'2", 290. But I bet he's excited to have him on the special teams unit as well. So he will have... I believe two years to play, too. So we'll have him around for at least two years. Another player out of Las Vegas, uh, Christian Vaughn, the running back. And we talked about him yesterday. The story I read from Stephen Sy a few days ago in the Star Advertiser is that he actually flew to Las Vegas to meet Timmy and Chris Brown, who were there last weekend, to seal the deal with Ali Hado and maybe others. And he went on his own dime, basically, to meet them and show them that he was very interested. And he's got success written all over him as well. He's only 5'11", 215, but from everything I've read, and I, I saw one video on him, he looks like another player who could really be impact player early in his career yeah ran for 1800 yards last year that's all that's all you gotta hear about him but definitely 
power back, has a little bit of speed to him. Uh, will he be the outright starter? Who knows? But he'll definitely be a guy that when he checks into the game, uh, you know that he could either go up the middle or maybe bounce out a run here or there for a big gain. I'm excited to watch him play, that's for sure. And a guy like him, again, a lot of these freshmen, I think there's not really as much pressure to be a starter right away, let alone play the first year. Yeah. At the running back position, you might say, well, maybe some of the guys didn't perform as well as you'd like. I thought a lot of them did. Right. Uh, the offensive line maybe didn't help them early on, but definitely helped them later. But there's no real pressure for him to be a starter right away as a freshman. You already got guys in there. Yeah, you can that, learn room, the system. That, that room is kind of crowded right now because obviously you have Tylen Hines returning from injury who was basically hurt ever since the Vanderbilt game and yeah. like basically tried to play on that injury. Uh, you had Landon Sims who came in and played very well uh, because of that injured injury ridden room of course you have Derek Boyd the second he was he committed like two years ago but over the last two uh seasons in fall camp he sustained season-ending injuries so maybe we'll finally see Derek Boyd the second I'm very I was always very excited for him so I really hope we get to see him a little bit this year. But you have those guys, obviously, and um, David Cordero, who showed a few flashes here and there. So this will be a very fun running back room. Maybe that's the reason why we don't see a guy like Devon Rice come in, because that room is full of guys that I'm sure everyone wants to see on the field. Right, and you lose a guy like Jordan Johnson, who left in the middle of the season, maybe a little past the midpoint, and uh, Najee Bryant-Lelay, who transferred or into the portal right near the end of the season. It was a grad transfer, basically. And you still have a lot of depth at that position that yeah. just says a lot about the position there so uh, for, really excited for a position that really needed a lot of help depth wise at the end of the year it, it did <laughs> it did as it turns out but it's good that you have that many people on, on roster right now and a couple incoming guys so that is great news we'll go over some more of the other signees and if you have a question or a comment you can reach out at 808 808- 296-1420. We're going to have Kavika Holland join us in about 15 minutes from now to talk UH basketball, so we'll get into that as well. You can win a $1,000 cash grand prize and $100 in weekly prizes in ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. It is brought to you by M. Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. All you have to do is visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. Back to the Sports Animals in the Morning on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth. We'll get to some texts coming up in a minute at 808-296-1420. We've also got, for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, two sets of tickets. Two each. We'll do one this hour as far as a giveaway and one next hour as well. So stay tuned for that. We'll do the first one coming up uh, probably around 7.45-ish, so about 20 minutes from now. Uh, Tanner, let's go over some more of the signings. And before I go over some more of the names, I'm going to ask you more specifically, I guess, as far as possible impact players. And again, most of these players, I guess all of them, we knew had given verbal commit. So none of them are surprises. But which one, now that they are signed, sealed, and hopefully delivered soon, besides the players we mentioned, anybody else that stands out to you? Because we, we talked about Alejado right. a lot, obviously, and some and of the others. It's easy to say, yeah, quarterback obviously will probably be the main like guy you focus on in terms of a guy that'll be a difference maker. But I think a guy that would probably make the most immediate impact is I want to see him go out there as a true freshman, if possible, because he does have the size to do it, is Alvin Pueyf. The defensive lineman from Salt Lake City from West High School, 6'4", 
320 pounds. I like that. And he, uh, this is all uh, the number one defensive lineman in Utah, a number 16 player overall in the state, according to 24-7 Sports. Um, I mean, if you put on his huddle tape, you'll see... Uh, how much of a difference maker Alvin Puefua is. So I'm excited to see him down here. Um, I'm not sure whether or not he's an early uh, an early enrollee kind right. of guy or if he'll be coming in the summer. So maybe that'll slow him down in terms of getting into the lineup. But I think Alvin Puefua, Michael Alejado, and then there's another guy that I think will make a big difference. And we were talking a lot about um, the Nevada prospects that are doing very well. I really do like this Armando Lewis Jr. This uh, He was a cornerback slash wide receiver out of Canyon Springs High School um, in Nevada. And he he is big. If you look at a photo of him in the uh, Hawaii uh, jersey for his for his visit, it's clear to see that this dude is uh, has some strength to him. And coming in at 6'3", I think he – I'm pretty sure he was a track – at least somewhat – yeah, finished – he won back-to-back 4A state titles in the 110-meter hurdles as a sophomore and junior and also finished third in the state in high jump and fourth in 300-meter hurdles as a junior. He helped lead Canyon Springs to a state 4A runner-up finish, uh, also a standout on their track and field and basketball team. So we have an athlete, that's safe to say. That says a lot. You know, The last two guys you mentioned, think of that. you got a, a receiver, a young receiver. He's got all the skill that you – not all the skills, but – specifically some of those skills you mentioned with the speed and uh, versatility as, uh, as far as his jumping ability. That I mean, that just, that really just makes means he's explosive. Yeah, That's he can, the can thing be I'm excited really about. Explosive. And we're also getting one of the top defensive linemen out of Utah. Think about that for a school that doesn't have a real stadium and all the other things that people bring up. Hawaii was still able to recruit some quality players like and that. for once... Utah ain't stealing their our top prospects. We're stealing their top prospects from their states. And them and BYU have done that too many times. <laughs> I want to get to a text question. Oh, wait. Really quickly yeah. also, on his official visit, they had him wearing number seven. And I saw so, that picture with you yesterday. He, yeah. well, he looked really strong. He, he among looked other big, factors. and we all know what it means to wear number seven yes, for the University yes. of Hawaii. So, I mean, we have a pretty good guy wearing number seven right now in Stephen McBride. So what is he going to wear next year then? 77 now. <laughs> oh, I thought you were serious there for a second. On recruiting, we got a text in here at the Zephyr Insurance text line. It's an interesting one. It says, Gary, don't you think we still will need experienced offensive line signees from transfer portal ready to step in? Or another JUCO O-line, or O-line player? I see only high school O-line players are two signed. That's a fair point. And it is a fair point. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. One, you're building long term. I think, to me, I think you want to get a balance. I'm not sure. I don't think does any coach that just goes 100% or 95% transfers in JCs or high school. You're going to have to have a mixture for the most part, and, almost every school. And I think what they were expecting was to see a guy in Christian Perry sign. The For what we know, we haven't really heard why he didn't sign an early signing period. For all we know, there's what? This is a three-day period, so he has the opportunity to send in that fax of his signature uh, in the next, what, two more days, including today. So... 
Makes you wonder, though, because and we talked about him on Monday show. Yeah. I saw, I think it was his verbal commitment, at least on social media over the weekend. Yeah, 6'7, 290. That's looked, what stands out. I looked at his Twitter. He hasn't taken down anything in terms of his verbal commitment to the University of Hawaii because I saw he had retweeted a uh, Warrior All Access post about his verbal commitment, and right. he hasn't taken that off necessarily. So I'm not sure what the issue is there. Maybe it just is in terms of, oh, he just was. I've, I, Broken I don't fax know. machine? Who knows? Uh, and or maybe just trying to find a fax machine. That could be that, too. <laughs> and we know and Timmy Chang is not allowed to comment on any recruit who hasn't signed. Right. So if they sign, as you saw some of the comments earlier, uh, maybe or late afternoon yesterday, he commented on the guys that have signed, but that's all he can do right now. But that... And again, I think, you know, 14 out of 15 is still a really good percentage, of course, but it does make you wonder what his story is for Christian Perry. And hopefully there's much to do about nothing, and he will be committing here with his, with his signature coming up soon. But that does happen. And now going back to the text about the offensive linemen, I don't think they're necessarily done. And I know Timmy Chang told us that a few weeks ago, that you're not going to sign everybody right away. You want to keep a few scholarships in your back pocket. I, I know that term has been uh, spoken rather frequently over the years, but it's a smart move. You never know who's going to maybe decommit from somewhere else, somebody who might not be academically in a, a eligible today but could be in a month, things like that. So you're not you're not signing everybody today. And also you don't know which one of these guys are going to be gray-shirted, where, where they're basically saying, hey, man, we don't have enough scholarships for you this year. We're going to tell you to enroll next spring and then we'll give you your scholarship then and we've seen that work out from time to time uh peter manuma was a gray shirt we had about three gray shirts coming on last year as well and so it gives them another year to bulk up it gives them another year to maybe catch up academically as well because that's another reason why you might gray shirt is if a guy may not necessarily be academically eligible immediately they have that one year maybe to get their academics right because i think that was an issue with um i can't remember what his name was but he went to Oregon State after he got gray-shirted, the um, offensive lineman who ended up being a really good offensive lineman for Oregon State. He was recruited by Nick Rolovich. And I'm like, for I'm the the name is on not the from tip Kahuku, of my, though. Not, he, I don't I'm not no I don't think so. But the guy it, I'm thinking of was way before he was a Norm Chow yeah, guy. Yeah, but I, that's also the risk of a gray shirt is they may not necessarily commit uh, in ter, in the by the time next year happens because that was another issue. So for one of our gray shirts last year, Via Funapeco, if you remember right. in early signing period, the plan was for him and Demata Peco Jr. to both gray shirt and commit this year. So what happened was Demata Peco Jr. said, no, I'll decommit. And then by the time the regular signing period started, they had given him another offer and he had signed again. And then he had decommitted afterwards once again. And we haven't really seen anything from him stats-wise this year. So I'm not necessarily sure uh, what the status is of Demata Peco Jr. in terms of his own football career. But for all we know, via Funapeko, his cousin, should be on his way in uh, uh, for either spring ball or by the fall time. By the way, before we go to break, we're going to talk some UH basketball in a minute. Just some breakdowns of the uh, signing class of the 14. Eight of them are on the offensive side, six on defense. Seven of the signees are from the state of Hawaii. Four are from the Ninth Island, obviously in Nevada. 
Eight of the signees play in the trenches, either on the defensive line where there are five, three on the offensive line, and five are offensive skill position players. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. We're going to switch gears for a few minutes. we got a lot more football talk and some interesting news about some future members of the Mountain West. I'll tell you more about that coming up in a little while, or are they going to be future members? We've got Kavika Hallams coming up next here to talk some UH basketball and the Diamond Head Classic. There is NFL games going on, in fact. There's NFL games tonight and, of course, throughout the weekend. And, a very uh, important NFL game tonight. A lot of important games coming up. I mean, it's, it's crunch time, as Artie Wilson likes to say. If you want to watch NFL football, well, check out 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar at Leeward Bowl. With the NFL package, you get to see every game. That's right, all of the NFL game. Check out their really cool video wall and enjoy 850 Broke Them Out menu, 850 Craft Beer and Whiskey Bar in the Pearl City Shopping Center. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Nat King Cole, if I'm not mistaken, singing a classic as well. And Gary Dickman here with Tanner Hayworth, the Sports Animals, on the Thursday before Christmas. It is the 21st of December, and for this year, that means the start of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. And speaking of classics, one of uh, our first guest this morning is a classic, was a classic, is one, and will continue to be one. You see him on Spectrum Sports for the University of Hawaii basketball game. You see him for football as well for UH, former UH basketball. Standout Kavika Hallams joins us. Kavika, first of all, thank you for answering the phone today. <laughs> <laughs> my apologies on the last attempt, my bad, and thank you for giving me another opportunity, guys. Well, it's like another opportunity at the free throw line. You get these opportunities. It's almost like a free throw. Uh, that's a really bad analogy, I guess. But we thank you for joining us. And before we talk about what's coming up starting in about 10 hours, give or take a few, trying to do the math, I want to get your take on the Nevada game on Sunday. I thought it was really entertaining, and Nevada's a really good team. I didn't think Hawaii played poorly except maybe on three-point three shooting. And again, both teams did. But I want to get your reaction to Sunday's game. Yes, um, totally agree, Gary. And yeah, the three-point shooting, both teams struggled. I think the only, I think Nevada was three for fourteen, Hawaii three for seventeen, or something like that. Right. So that kind of equaled everything out. But it really came down to the last two minutes of the game, and of course with Bernardo falling out, questionable call down the stretch, but uh, call done uh, made nonetheless. And um, but what I like, what I love watching was the, the competitiveness of this year's basketball team. And, I, you know, I was actually proud. And you no know, one likes loves moral victories, but there was a lot of talk how Nevada was going to, you know, do all these things to Hawaii. And they're talented. They had everyone in their lineup, senior-laden lineup, returning from an uh, NC2A appearance and well-deserved. They're a great team, great coach, you know, of course, in Steve Alford. But I think Hawaii was more than up to the task. But, unfortunately, those last three possessions – and I would say on the defensive end, couldn't get those key stops. Yeah. And then we kind of handed the ball back over by not even getting off a shot in the last two possessions. So that was frustrating, but I really, really was proud how they came back when they were down eight points in the second half, thinking the game was going to get away from them. But they battled back and really made it a one-possession game throughout the, that entire last ten minutes of the game. Right. So now with the team being 7-2, and two, what stands out to you over the course of these first nine games? Man, their front line, I think, can be dangerous. And Morsek and, of course, Juan Munoz are kind of 
you know, as far as Juan, I was always surprised that he wasn't utilized a little bit more in that second half for some little offensive punch, which he always, he's been providing. But more sex development, you're seeing that with more minutes, he's becoming more, more of a force out there. I mean, he's really intimidating people out there, and he, you're not seeing those, you know, those gentle falls to the cart, uh, to the floor, <laughs> and he's really able to stand his ground a little bit more. But the blocks have been so impressive. He has that awareness around the rim where the guards and small forwards, they can really take chances defensively knowing that this big dude has their back. And I really liked his and really love his development early in the season. But I'm looking for more minutes. But I understand Coach Ganat and his foul trouble situation is like old school where you get two fouls, you're automatically out <laughs> of the first half. You know, you're not going to come back. But we're more like – and they need to learn how to manage themselves. And you notice, Gary, Morstek and Bernardo had those silly fouls where just allow the guys to get the rebound that already had right. that side position, just get back on defense. Those kind of fouls really get frustrating, especially down the stretch. And it really hurt our guys against Nevada when the front line, you know, were, were in foul trouble throughout the game. But one thing I really took out of that thing is, is the development of Morstek and also the steady play that you're seeing now out of Noel Coleman. You know, you talk about, we talked about a little bit near the beginning with this Nevada game, how there wasn't a lot of, you know, offensive pop, especially in that second half. I don't think we made a single three in the second half, which is very rare for a team like Hawaii that kind of, they don't necessarily, I don't think they would live and die by the three, but certainly the three-pointer helps this Hawaii offense a lot. How many times do you think, or, Rather, how do you think that performance from the three-point line from in that Nevada game on Sunday, is that really going to be a thing that we have to worry about as the season goes on? Or do you think that's going to be a kind of a one-game anomaly? Hopefully we'll be seeing a lot more than just two a night, in another, at mo- more than two at least, hopefully, as the year goes on. Yeah, I think that's a great point, T. And um, the reason I, I also agree is because – the teams in the Big West, everyone knows each other. They're going to force you off of that three-point line, so you're going to be able. You're going to have to hit tough shots, but also you're going to have to create and really get your get to your spots quickly, get shots off. But at the same time, you got to give Nevada a lot of credit when we're like we're of course we're situated near the Nevada bench, and you could hear everyone calling out every single position player's strengths when you hear them even touch the ball or about to get the ball you can hear everyone coaching their own teammates up the coaches are and of course steve alford a bobby knight disciple where defense is number one he was not going to allow when munoz came in the game everyone was already yelling shooter five five i mean no matter where he was when he was just cutting through the lane they saw things being set up maybe two three picks away and they were just on their game with the scouting report. So that's a credit to Nevada, but also the respect that they're giving Hawaii where they're not going to see, oh, maybe he'll miss a couple. There were, they, won't take, they weren't taking any chances, so they really forced Hawaii to really struggle with contested threes. But when they had opportunities, and they did, you feel rushed even though you have space because you're expecting the rotation. You're expecting guys right. to be flying in your face, which they were doing, and they were long. You saw these guys. They're big dudes, but – they just weren't falling at a consistent level. And you're right. I think when it gets to the Big West Conference, uh, it's going to be the same where contested uh, three-pointers are going to work on both ends because Hawaii was one of the best field, three-point field goal defensive teams in the nation last year. So 
they're very aware of shooters. That's a credit to Iran and the staff as well. But I don't think it's an anomaly. I think it's going to be consistent with the big when they get to Big West Conference. I think the Diamond Classic. If these teams sleep on Hawaii, which they probably aren't doing because of what Javon did last year in the, against SMU, but when you look at the potential, of course, if you leave Hawaii open and allow them to be relaxed. We have a lot of shooters this year, but I I really couldn't foresee everyone struggling, you know, from three-point land. I can see a couple, but, you know, not seeing one more on the court, that was something that was a small concern to me down the, down the stretch. Right, I noticed that as well. We're talking UH basketball. Kavika Hallams from Spectrum Sports is joining us on ESPN Honolulu. And we'd like to talk about a lot of guys, whether it be Javon, whether it be Noel, one or more. One guy that seemed to be a very dependable guy so far this season has been the grad transfer, Justin McCoy. And like we had mentioned Sunday night, he didn't necessarily have his best game, missed all of his three-point attempts, had that ugly, you know, I think it was the, I can't remember if it was the second to last possession or the last possession where the ball just went through his hands. Uh, for Justin McCoy, what does this game against Portland is this going? Should this be his bounce back game, or should we just expect him to be that normal where he grabs around ten points, around eight rebounds, where we've seen him this last season or this last season, the last couple of games? You know, I think what you're seeing, and I, I totally agree. This 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 guy, he's been cash money um, since the day he stepped on the court for Hawaii and. Such a blessing to have a guy like that with the humility, though, that he brings to the table as well. He's not walking around like, hey, I'm NC, I'm Virginia, I played in two Final Fours, I, I've gone, I've been there, done that, guy. So, and I played with guys like that that no one liked. You know, Who's and that? Guys disappeared. <laughs> now, I'm not going to mention names, but Coach Wallace got rid of those guys real quick. He, they saw quickly that unless you buy into the team concept, you're going to be gone. And But with Justin McCoy, I love how he throws the team first, but he needs to get a little bit more selfish. And that last play, you know, he's trying to, you know, set something up, but he's just such a tough guard out there where you're going to have to decide who are you going to put on this big guy who can put it on the floor. He can shoot the three. He can create for other people, and that's what he does a lot. But I think the uh, game against Portland tonight is going to be a, a test for him to show that, okay, you know, I had a rough game, but now people are they are recognizing that he he's one of their main guys, no no question about it. And I love that he's such an immediate, impactful player for Iran and the rest of the guys. But I think he needs to step a little bit more out of that team-first mentality at times and start taking games over when the perimeter is suffering where he can get to the lane with no one can guard this guy in the perimeter at that size. So I think there's so much that he can bring to the table. And I think that's going to be something that Hawaii is going to be um, able to capitalize tonight against Portland. Kavika, I only got about a minute, but I want to add your thoughts on this. Because in Sunday's game against Nevada, I think one of the reasons Juan Munoz didn't play more is because of the size that you talked about with Nevada's guard. It was really tough for Jovan to get going offensively. Now I look at Portland and their side. They start, according to their roster, four guards. And their sizes are 6'5", 6'6", 6'4", 6'8". So similar size to Nevada, how does Hawaii make sure Juan and Jovan can get on track offensively against that size? You know, and you saw in the game, though, Noel was undersized as well because, goodness gracious, mm, right. Keenan Blackshear, come on, guys. I mean, this guy is six, thick point guard, and he was also in the lane as a center on free throws. So that's an amazing size differential that you see, and he picked up at 
you know, three-quarter court. But I don't think he can defend our Hawaii backcourt as a, as a whole. So it's just a matter of having the right mix and let's see who can get going early. Be aggressive. I think Javon knew that size differential. And, you know, he, he's always, you know, kind of relied on that fadeaway jumper in the lane where he's able to get kind of penetration and get stuck a little bit and then fade away. But they're just too long for him. I think he makes that decision, hit down the lane, and, and just, just be aggressive because they need to defend our guys as well. And I don't think you can, as a group, defend Javon, Noel, Juan, all at the same time. Um, somebody's going to be loose, and but we they just need to capitalize when they have those moments where they're able to get free of that length of the defenders. Well, hopefully they can win tonight and get to the semifinals tomorrow. Kavika, we want to thank you for joining us. Always love having you on the show. Love your work at Spectrum Sports. I'm sure we'll see you out at the Stan Sheriff Center this weekend. Oh, yeah, definitely. Thank you, guys, and great signing for the football Warriors, guys. Definitely. It's going to be all next year, I'm telling you. I believe you. I believe you. Thanks, Kavika. <laughs> All right, thank you, guys. All right, Kavika Hallam joining us here on ESPN Honolulu talking UH basketball. We'll react and respond to the, uh, some of his comments coming up in just a few minutes. In fact, we'll also give out a prize. If you are caller number three at 808-296-1420, you can win a pair of tickets for Saturday's game, Easy Post Hawaii Ball, starting at 5.30 p.m. with San Jose State and Coastal Carolina. Hey, I want to mention, uh, mention this with the Blood Bank of Hawaii is doing a great uh, event coming up on Tuesday the 26th. It's at Dave and Buster's. It's the holiday blood drive that they are having coming up. And if you go down there between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m., you can help donate blood to help combat the seasonal dip that unfortunately happens this time of the year with donations and bring holiday cheer. Donations received will go directly to help patients across 18 statewide civilian hospitals. Again, 9 to 3 p.m. at Dave and Buster's. Now, today after Christmas, all donors will receive an unlimited video gameplay card which is great in itself, and also a complimentary breakfast or lunch while supplies last. Check it out at Dave & Buster's on Tuesday. Back in a minute, we'll announce the winner on ESPN Honolulu. Gary Dickman, Tanner Hayworth, we are the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. We did get a winner. Uh, we got Ralph from Akakilo was caller number three. He had won a pair of tickets for Saturday's football game, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. We will have another pair of tickets to give out in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll also have Larry Beal on coming up about 8.20 this morning. One of the texts that came in, Tanner, was about what Kavika Hollins was just talking to us about. And he was uh, talking about Juan Munoz at one point and maybe thinking that he maybe should get more minutes. And I kind of gave my take on that right before the break, where when you had that size of Nevada, you, I mean, Juan played basically what he has been playing for the most part. I don't have his minutes in front of me. He was probably in the teens somewhere. But even Jovan's minutes weren't there. You went with Tom Beatty a little bit more. You went with some size because they just couldn't get going offensively as much as they'd want. Juan had three free throws. Oh, Jovan had three free throws on a three-pointer that he got fouled on. That was it in the first half. That might have been it for the game. And I believe Juan hit a three, but only hit one more basket, uh, two more points besides that. So the texter says, I agree with Kavika that Juan Munoz should have played more. He only played one short time, both in the first and second half. He made a three and had not, he had really nice assists. Thank you for pointing that out. Couldn't understand why Coach sat him so much. He didn't have time to get in a rhythm. I think, again, it was Nevada's size. Yeah. Uh, Jovan and, and Juan had their minutes 
reduce, I think, because they couldn't get going offensively as much as they'd like. In a game like that, it's times that I miss a guy like a junior Madute, you know, who mm. could be a ball handler, but he was kind of a bigger guy that could score with the ball in his hands. So, yeah, I think that's always going to be an issue when you have guys like Juan and Javon McClanahan, and you go up against a team that's unique like uh, Nevada, who's such a great defensive team, such a big team. I That's why I... I don't really look at that that performance from both Vaughn or Juan and just say, yeah, that's going to be happening every single every single game now. They'll put their tallest person on Joe Vaughn and Juan the entire game. That's not going to happen. So I just think when it comes to performances in games with bigger guards, that's something that we'll consider. Okay, we are out of time for this hour. We'll come back next hour, get you caught up with traffic right now as well. Hopefully some good news with the sports animals coming up again on ESPN Honolulu. Welcome to It is hour number two on the Thursday before Christmas. At least one thing I always look forward to at Christmas time, this is going to sound weird, but when Christmas is actually uh, happening that day, or even Christmas Eve to a certain extent, that means the traffic woes, for some some extent, will ease up. And my goal every December, one of my big goals is to not get caught up in Christmas traffic or as little as possible. And I always go to Waikiki as an example because I always host a team for the Diamond Head, but even just driving anywhere near a mall. And we understand why. I understand totally why it is, but it'll be one thing to look forward to besides having a great holiday, of course, is that the traffic will ease up just a little. And school's out, so we should get a little reward or a little present that way. A kind of a strange way to present it, but I do feel that way at times. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth here. Liz Stacy as well. We can uh, love to take your calls and texts at 808-296-1420. Here are some of the stories we are following. And I talked about this one before the break. I haven't brought it up on the show yet. But there was a report yesterday by the Associated Press that Oregon State and Washington State, remember, they're going to be playing Mountain West football next year. Now, they have to play, I believe it was at least six games. They both agreed to play six games against Mountain West opponents. Those games don't count in the standings. So now everybody in the Mountain West currently will have a seven-game conference schedule. Even though they'll be playing, Hawaii will be in Pullman to play Washington State. Uh, And if you've never been to Pullman, boy, are you in for a treat. Not. Uh, I've been there a couple of times. My brother used to be a professor there years ago, and it's not a lot happening there. So probably a typical small college town. But anyway. I feel like just going to college uh, on a game day, that's all you need to be there for. And I I wasn't there on game day. I've been been to other places like Texas A&M and Nebraska and Maryland on game day for football. It's pretty incredible. Uh, But anyway, those schools are joining the Mountain West for football, and the hope was that they would become full-fledged members. This was a two-year agreement. And they were hoping to extend that. That was the hope. Well, what we hear yesterday is that both of those schools, Oregon State and Washington State, are now looking for the WCC, the West Coast Conference, for affiliation for basketball. Also, what we're hearing is that they're not giving up the Pac-12 status. To be a, a full conference member in the NCAA, you have to play at least seven sports, including both men's and women's basketball, and I forget the other criteria. It's not football, because not everybody has football. Uh, but... You get a two-year pass if schools leave your conference. Well, the Pac-12 is disbanding, so they get a two-year pass. To me, Tanner, this seems like there's a strong possibility, also reading that the talks have broken off with the Mountain West, that both schools will be full-fledged members. Only thing, I, only thing I can think of is that maybe they're hoping some Mountain West schools will join them to form a new Pac-12. I think they're hoping for a lot of chaos to go down in the next couple of months, maybe years, but... 
maybe step one of that chaos begins tomorrow as Florida State has called for an emergency meeting of their Board of Regents for the direction of their athletics. So that will be something to focus on tomorrow and especially the next couple of weeks because, hey, guess what? The football season's over. Uh, early signing day is over. There's still recruiting going on. So you know what we're going to be talking about for college football for the next couple of months. Realignment. Everyone's favorite thing to talk about. By the way, from Ross Dellinger uh, today at 730, uh, only about 30 minutes ago from Yahoo Sports saying that the West Coast, the West Coast Conference presidents and ADs voted unanimously this morning to add Oregon State and Washington State as affiliate members in basketball as well as other sports, minus baseball and football. That's from Ross Dellinger from Yahoo Sports. So basically, basically confirming right, what we were right. suspecting yesterday. But the dominoes, even though a lot of them have fallen, we've seen that Good happen last it. year, uh, for what we know is someone has like lifted a veil, and now there's a whole new stack of dominoes. New game. New game. Who's got next? And uh, Ross Dellinger, I wish he would return my time. We used to have him on the show fairly frequently. Uh, I Maybe tried call a few him. Ago. Yeah, I know. I, I texted him a few weeks ago. No response. Anyway, enough See of that See if he part. like posts a photo of a hotel, then book a flight and try to corner him. What, <laughs> what, it, what it means to me about this, again, I, I think what it, it seems, maybe it's obvious, maybe it's not. But the way I see it, again, Oregon State, Washington State want to keep the Pac-12 brand alive. And they know that would probably mean more for them financially than being in the Mountain West. They're going to try to uh, attract schools to join them, to recruit schools to join them in the Pac-12. Many of them, I feel, will be Mountain West schools. For, for football, where else are you going to go? That you're going to be able to get schools to go and join them. And it might be another rogue member somewhere else. But I have a feeling that's what it looks like, especially with that announcement yesterday. And, you know, it doesn't affect Hawaii that much because we're only obviously in the Mountain West for football. But it was interesting to note how this is being handled. Right. And, you know, I don't want to break off uh, this. I think this is a topic that we will be talking about for the next couple of weeks and months. Probably. for sure. But I have some breaking news just came down from the Big West on big, the Big West men's volleyball preseason coaches poll. There is a new number one. Are they crazy? Long Beach State with three first place votes is expect is the preseason coaches number one team out of the That's Big the coaches West. poll, you said. This is the coaches poll. So three first place votes for Long Beach State at number one. Number two is us, Hawaii, with two first place votes. And then UC Irvine sits at three with one per first place vote in 19 points. And then following them is UC Santa Barbara at four. And then a tie for last is CSUN and UC San Diego. But big news. Maybe there will be a new number one by the end of the Big West men's volleyball season. There won't be. Bite your tongue. There won't uh, be. For uh, sure. Uh, this is just a preseason poll. We don't believe One these. of the things I guess would maybe make sense as some of the losses for Hawaii. I mean, we've seen that where a few years in a row they lose like one or two players. Right. Last year they lost a few more. They still got like guys like Chaz Galloway coming back. They still Gilliam got a lot of Voss, Spiros Hakis, yeah. and a, in my Hubbard's opinion, a really great, a, a pretty great duo of huge setters and Kevin Cowling and the, uh, and uh, what's his name, Tred Rosenthal. From Wanalua High School, right? 
Oh, no, Fred Rosenthal from oh, California. He was the guy. He's the to be guy one that of the best players. Yeah, out he of the age group. he reclassified two years right. early so that he could come here. So and he's what six seven, I think. At six least. nine. Six nine. Okay, I know he he's was up been. There. Gro- he was six seven probably uh, this time last year. The summer he was probably six eight. Now he's probably six nine. You know what's interesting about that, real quick? Both he and Kevin Cowling, by the way, are both six six nine. So like, oh, TCU was practicing in gym one. Tuesday night, and volleyball players started walking in. And I thought, this was like 8 o'clock at night, 7 o'clock at night, and I thought they were going to have practice. And, you know, some of the TCU people asked them just to wait outside until they were done. One of the things, now Galloway wasn't there, Voss wasn't there. I didn't recognize almost anybody there that was uh, playing there. When I found out later from one of the coaches is that they were there to play pickup basketball. I hope Charlie Wade's not <laughs> listening. But there were no nets set up there, obviously, with the basketball set up and everything. But uh, they were in the gym, and I didn't recognize a lot of the guys. But, they, boy, they were some tall ones. And, obviously, some of the players you just mentioned, like Rosenthal, we remember hearing so much about was one of those guys in there. So, Let's get back to some yeah. of the things we, we want to cover also, uh, the stories we are following. And, of course, the Hawaiian Airline Diamond Head Classic, speaking of basketball, will start in a little less than two hours. I mean, if you're any kind of basketball fan, hopefully you can make it down there. It's usually not as crowded for the sessions when Hawaii is not playing, understandably so, but there's great basketball, which means one of the things that you can take advantage of is great seats, uh, basically sitting wherever you want. I believe it's general admission when Hawaii is not playing. Uh, They will play scheduled at 6 tonight, should be around 6.20 against Portland. We're going to have Josh Pacheco and myself with Rainbow Warrior Countdown starting at 5 p.m., but three games in four days, and I would not be surprised. I know Bobby has said it as well. I'm not going out on a limb too much. I think it could be Hawaii and TCU in the championship game on Christmas Eve at 4 p.m. I think that's what we all want. I just... That's what we want, too. I, I think, again, TCU-Nevada, which should take place tomorrow in the semis, I think would be a really good game. And TCU is really good. They were a tournament team last year, beat Arizona State in the first round, lost to Gonzaga in the second round. Uh, they they lost a few players. Two of them are in the G League now, and they're, they're backcourt, according to Jamie Dixon, still needs to get a little bit more consistent. They do have Jameer Nelson Jr. Basketball fans might remember his father, who was a standout at St. Joe's 20 years ago, 18 years ago, and played a little bit in the NBA uh, for Orlando, I think, if I'm not mistaken, for the most part, maybe even Dallas. But he's on the team, Jameer Nelson Jr. They have Charles O'Bannon's son. But I think them in Nevada could be a great game. And if things go according to chalk, I even though UMass is somehow favored over Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech beat Duke about three weeks ago i think georgia tech and hawaii should meet in the other semifinal bracket it's going to be a lot of fun that's for sure and like i've been hearing all the talk especially from the coaches versus cancer talk yesterday you and bobby Curtin and josh pacheco all talking about a lot of these really great matchups um I'm just, I'm just glad that it all starts today. It all starts in about an hour and 50 minutes from now. Should have the countdown. Yeah, love that. Can't wait for that. Can't and it's wait. a busy week of the Iolani Classic taking place. And we also want to mention another thing that did take place, not talking basketball, but it was the early signing period yesterday. It was the first day of it, and Hawaii did come out with 14 players signed. Uh, it's a three-day period, so they do have until tomorrow. But some uh, names, all names that we expected, but it's great to know that they are officially a Rainbow Warrior now. Yeah, I'll, was it 14 uh, signees yesterday? You know, it's not like the 26 we got last year, but I think, 
there's still a lot of spots to be filled up. Um, we didn't have a lot of scholarships to give out right, this year, yeah. which is what we've only been hearing a lot from the coaching staff. Uh, but it's a great, I think it's a lot of quality over quantity. Of course, we also have to remember there's a lot of gray shirts from last year that are coming on. I think of the six, seven tackle from Campbell, Isaac Mangaleo. I think of guys like Via Funapeco. Uh, I think there was a safety slash linebacker as well from Utah, as well as probably one of the most exciting players out of high school football last year in Waipahu's own Liatama Uiliata, who had basically on one ankle almost tried his best to rally Waipahu to a, a Division One state championship last year, uh, getting beat out by Konawina. But I remember him. I remember that. that game, and I remember all of us just hounding Liatama Uiliata with all of the dog posts. He's got that dog in him, and I'm excited to see. Um, I'm, I'm, I just don't know where he's going to be, if he's gonna, probably going to be more at wide receiver than anything else, but there's a lot of guys I'm excited for that either signed this year or signed all the way last year. That's a key point, though, I think, that we shouldn't – I mean, we can't overstate enough that there are players that committed last year that have gray-shirted or red-shirted that could be impact players this year, whether it's former high school players here or from elsewhere. But it's not just the 14 that are going to be new for next year. And they're not done yet. They, I don't know how many more scholarships they have. I believe it was right around 16, maybe even 17. But also the way it works, when you lose a red-shirt guy – now, the mo- it used to be the most you can sign is 25 players in one class. They changed that to have it where – you can sign up to 25 if you have those scholarships available. But also, if you lost somebody via the transfer portal, let's just say like Lalay and Jordan Johnson, well, you get two more on top of that. Or however well, many other players Well, depending on if they're a grad transfer. I thought if anybody entered the transfer portal... Well, you, if you're a grad transfer, you've used up your scholarship. Well, but yeah, I'm, I'm just saying if you lose somebody via the transfer portal, they changed that. I think last year was the first year right. where you'll get more than those. If you lose seven players via the transfer portal, grad If they're or not, all on scholarships. Well, so. they're scholarship players, of course. But if you lose those players via the transfer portal, like a Jordan Johnson or Lalay, you get those scholarships. Well, I don't think Lalay's. Val- I don't think Lalay is valid in that because I think last year was his last year of eligibility. But, but still graduated but he, as a grad, but, but he's, transferring. he's still transferring, but as a grad transfer. I, I think see, those are two different things. I see what, what you're saying. saying. I, 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 well, I'll double check on that. I believe. But I understand also what you're saying. I'm also being very argumentative for the <laughs> argument's sake. Uh, so we'll clarify. I, uh, yeah, I, um, I definitely get what you're saying. If you if someone transfers out, you get their scholarship, like Braden Shager. He transfers Another out. one, right. So you if basically does, gain that stuff. does leave. Well, no. If he's entered the transfer portal, so if he decides to come back, it's now the coaching staff's uh, choice whether or not to give him and a He's like a new player, basically, basically, taking up one of the new available scholarships. So That's once you've point. entered the portal, your scholarship's gone. That's the big issue with the portal is, you're, it, sure, you can go back. But the team also has to be willing to give you back your scholarship. Right, and some will, some won't. And I know some people were asking about Chegger yesterday because it was the early signing period's first day, but nothing new on him, that's for sure. But they will have more scholarships available depending on how many. I mean, they have the capability of getting more than they normally would instead of that ceiling of 25, and I do like that rule for football. So we do feel or think that Timmy Chang and the staff has more than the 14 that they got yesterday. And, of course, they had 15 
offers out there. Uh, so maybe we'll hear another name or two today or tomorrow. We're, again, we're hoping to get Timmy Chang on tomorrow's show, so we will uh, key on that. I want to get one text in real fast. Somebody says, Gary, maybe President Obama might show up at the Diamond Head Classic. He was at the Iolani Classic on Monday. That'd be fun. I would say that won't, well, I would say it won't happen for a couple of reasons. Just not that he doesn't care and might not want to come. There's nothing along those lines. When he was here, when Oregon State was here, and his brother-in-law was coaching Oregon State, Craig Robinson, there were incredible security measures in place already. Were there incredible security measures in place at the Iolani Classic? Well, I would imagine. I, I would imagine it would be different if you're a former slash current uh, It's president. a little bit different. You still have secret service around you for life. So they, they've got to make, and especially with a crowd that might come in here, I'm not saying it's going to be 10,000, but there would be provisions in place security-wise. I haven't heard anything where last time when he came, even though there was no official announcement, we did hear about some of the security measures in play. But you're right, at Iolani the other night, um, and I know Josh was there doing the game, uh, he sat there with some Secret Service, some friends, and according to Josh, nobody was even approaching him. They probably weren't allowed to, just Man. like when he was here. I'm sure they had security measures in play uh and again I, i'm not close to the program or that tournament now to see or hear what was going on or wasn't but for the diamond head i would probably have heard something so i would doubt it but you never know and it would be a little bit different as you said him being a former president but still to be heavy security there if it happened uh we're going to talk with larry beal from kgo tv in san francisco mostly on hawaii teams that is coming up next hey i want to remind you again about the great cause that's coming up the great event that's coming up for a great cause, and you can enjoy free fun at Dave & Buster's coming up on Tuesday the 26th and help that great cause. It's from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., and you can donate blood to the Blood Bank of Hawaii at D&B, that's Dave & Buster's, of course, in the Ward Village, and you will receive a free unlimited video game play card on non-redemption games and complimentary breakfast or lunch while supplies last. You can sign up in advance at BBH for Blood Bank Hawaii, that's BBH org or for more information call 808-848-4770 back with larry bill in a minute with the sports animals on espn honolulu The Sports Animals here on ESPN Honolulu, Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayward, Chris on vacation, and we're going to talk some more UH and maybe some uh, Bay Area sports as we are joined by one of our favorites, if not the overall number one favorite. A lot of pressure on him now. He's a news and sports anchor at KGO-TV in San Francisco. Larry Beal joins the show. Larry, great to have you on again. Happy holidays to you and your family. You too, Gary. Uh, if I'm not number one, I don't, I don't want to talk. <laughs> well, you're number one today, that's for sure. I shouldn't say that because Kavika Hollins was on last hour. Now I hurt his feelings. Well, that's okay. He and I have known each other for 100 years, so <laughs> he can he knows where he stands. Anyway, <laughs> yes, he does. Uh, he might not like before, it. Well, yeah, no, of course. Anyway, why would he? Uh, by the way, he was hilarious at the UH tip-off uh, banquet event. He was downright hilarious. He was let you by. I thought his name was Kavika Bumatai there for a few seconds. Anyway, uh, well, all of you are great. You and Neil Everett as well. Before we get started, I have to say, every time I come on or I'm home, I laugh so hard at the IBEW commercials because it sounds like me trying to fix anything. <laughs> I would be included in that group. I wouldn't even attempt to fix anything. I asked somebody else. And that's, unfortunately, that's the truth. Well, 
Last time you were on with us, I remember at the end of our interview, you brought up, and rightfully so, that I didn't ask you your opinion on UH football. So I don't want to get in that situation again. So I will ask you first off, I'm not sure how much you are keeping up with the signing class, but we haven't talked to you since the season ended. And overall, I thought Hawaii football finished strong. What was your overall takeaway from Hawaii football's end to the season, at least? Well, the end was certainly a lot better than uh, the middle patch there. Uh, I went to the, the game in Vegas, and that was pretty disappointing. But, you know, what I heard, and you're closer to it than I am, is that, uh, you know, that, that Timmy Chang really turned up the heat on both the players and the coaches, and they went back to old-school blocking sleds and tackling and toughening up. And I think it, it, it certainly paid off down the stretch, and uh, hopefully they can build on that. I, I have not seen Micah Alejado play. I, I'm all I have seen, you know, you know, he's great, he's great, he's great. Um, so, you know, with I, I fully expected, if I, I said this a couple months into the season, that, that Shager was likely to transfer regardless because uh, I don't know if you saw Matt Rule from Nebraska came out and say, uh, if you're looking for a transfer quarterback uh, with NIL, you're looking at $1.5 or $2 million a year for a guy, which is astounding. Yes. Uh, and not something, not something UH can afford. By the way, I know we're going to talk 49ers, but what's, what's crazy is that Arch Manning, who didn't even play this past season in college football, made $3 million, and that was $2 million more than Brock Purdy is making right now for leading the 49ers into the playoffs. Yeah, that puts things in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, crazy. Something's wrong with that system, I guess. I mean, I can't blame the players, and it's great for them. But, yeah, there's something out of whack when you mentioned those numbers compared to a guy who was like maybe the MVP or going to be an MVP finalist, I would think, at least. And Arch yeah. Manning, who could be, but hasn't done anything yet on the college level. Right, right. I mean, the, the whole thing is, is, is just messed up. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm certainly for players having the opportunity to transfer because anytime you see the coaches leave and they just bolt, they're out the door for their next payday, and then they leave all the players they recruited behind. But right. there has to be a little bit more balance. The problem is, you know, let's say for Timmy, you recruit a guy, he signs. Well, then you have to keep recruiting him every year. It's not like you, you know he's going to stay because everybody else is trying to recruit him as well, even though he's with your school. It's, it's, it's out of whack. It really is. I mean, again, it's good that the money is going to some of these guys. I, I, one thing I don't like about that overall is that the NIL, I thought, was based on profiting off your name, image, and likeness after you perform in the college level for players to get it before they even enroll in school. That, I don't think, was the intent. I just thought it was for really good players to be able to profit off their success on that level. But it's now it's just open free agency, basically, in college like the NFL. There's no salary cap in college for the NILs. Well, yeah, and especially some of the schools. I was told that the University of Washington offense was making eleven million dollars this year. I don't know if that number is how accurate. Wow, just their offense, whole team, but the offense anyway. Incredible. Does Tanner get to talk, or is he just like he's, he, he's allowed to talk? If he has anything, he will uh, throw something at me and let me know he has a question <laughs> for you. But he can just hold up uh, any finger and let me know if he has anything. Larry Beal is you joining guys, us. You on guys ESPN are having a good week. conversation. I'm I'm just having fun listening over here. Okay, all right. You know, Chris oftentimes, you know, he, he you know gets upset because uh, Gary just dominates. 
<laughs> well, that's why we wanted to call you when Chris isn't here, so I have a chance to yeah. re- not get interrupted <laughs> and you know ridiculed and yeah. all that stuff. But yeah. he is on yeah, vacation. Hey, so I want to get your take also on UH basketball. You mentioned the tip-off banquet. You and Neil Everett were here for that. You did a great yeah. job with the T-shirt toss. I know you got a little bit of an injury there, uh, but your thoughts well, on UH well, basketball? <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 let's let's correct the record. Okay. I, I was told. I was told really, really throw it. So I was trying to hit the top row in the stand. I was I was going for Shager bombs with every throw. <laughs> I was mocked by my good friend Kimo Kai, who, who first of all said, "Oh, you're probably going to you know throw your arm out." I said, "Come on, man, because uh, I'm in reasonably good shape." And then when I'm whipping them up to the rafters, and then he comes and tells me afterwards. Somebody asked me, who's that maniac throwing the T-shirt at 100 miles an hour? I'm, what, what do you want? you want? You want me to flip it underhand or you want a real pass? <laughs> help me. Help me help you. Well, you did a great job. You gave the effort, like, you know, backing up almost like a quarterback, you know, backing up, taking the four-step four drop back. And I do appreciate – I think fans would appreciate as well as I did because nobody ever throws them into the upper level, almost at any game. And you were attempting, at least, to get into the upper level, and those fans deserve that chance as well. So I'm sure they're appreciative. There you go. There you go. Yeah, you know, well, you know, Timmy Chang worked me out for a few days. I got my own shape. <laughs> good. good. I'm sure you'll be getting a call sometime. Maybe you can enter the transfer portal from TV to football. You know, I would love that. I don't <laughs> think Timmy would love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll make that we, plan B. We, we got to fill up the quarterback room. We only got three guys in there yeah. right now. So I, depth I, is I, everything. There's a very small package of plays that I can run at this stage. You'll be able – a big so, pro, you'll be able to see Micah Alejado throw in person. That would be that would be awesome. <laughs> don't they have uh, – the, the well, yeah, because I'd be backing him up. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> praying he doesn't get hurt. Don't they have the Saga Politelli kid? Too? Yeah, from yeah. Punahou. He yeah. didn't play this year, but he's on the team. I don't think we have an, enough NIL money to get you on the roster. Yeah, that's Gary. You might have to dig into those pockets for a change. <laughs> yeah, there's not much got, in those pockets. No I matter how like, deep I dig, I got like twenty bucks in my wallet right now. <laughs> <laughs> I got a 10 spot. We're halfway there. <laughs> you're, very, you're very close. You're really you can hit my number that I need. Very close. And we'll we'll see close. if Chris can the, help with that. The negotiating well. market right now is very tough. You know, you never know what other schools are pulling for Larry. I, can, can, can somebody just add in a Zippy's anything? And that might just put it over the top. Well, that, that $30 that me and Gary tipped in is probably one thing from Zippy's these days. We'll, we'll start a GoFundMe on That'll our Twitter page. That'll be a quick page. chili chicken combo right there. And we'll, we'll, <laughs> up, we'll update the totals every week. Hey, one thing I do want to get with, uh, to talk to you about, Larry, is the Draymond Green situation. Obviously, being in the San Francisco area, you're a lot closer to it. And I'm curious as what the fans think about him. I've been a big fan of his for the most part, even though I'm not really a Warriors fan. I love watching them. But I have lost a little bit of my affection for Draymond after the last two incidents. What is your reaction and the fans' reaction as well? I, I think there's a love-hate relationship with Draymond. You know, he brings a lot of fire and intensity and great defense. He's a basketball savant. But when you have somebody who's constantly going over the line and just doesn't ever change his ways, it becomes a problem. And, and you know, now the league has basically said, Anything you do, we're going to magnify the punishment. So his suspension is indefinite. You, the, the irony of, of this conversation coming up now is interesting because 
guess who's coming in tomorrow to play the Warriors? Jordan Poole and the Wizards. Oh, yeah. Poole, who in the face by Draymond Green in training camp of last year. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's unfortunate the way it's worked out for Draymond. I hope, what, you know, look, I'm not a psychologist. I don't know what he needs, but whether it's anger management or whatever, if he can come back and still bring the intensity, but without all the shenanigans and the screaming and the yelling at the refs, that would be a good thing. Yeah, and I think That's it's fair. Her. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's go fair ahead. that a lot of people want to see that, you know, Draymond probably stop punching people, you know, as soon as possible. But what do you think about that whole, like a lot of people in the sports media world all of a sudden becoming armchair therapists saying like how he needs help and a lot of like, you know, a lot of like therapy talk in terms of Draymond Green. Like, what do you think about about all of that and if it's like actually that deep or not? Well, none of us in the media have any idea of what he. I mean, you know, whoever. Even Shaq said, was it last night or the night before? Draymond does not need therapy. He, there's nothing wrong with him. Well, he's got to be able to to maintain some calm some composure, and like you said, you, you just can't be punching people all the time or putting them in a headlock. So there's a fine line. Look, I know fans of the NBA in the 70s and 80s would say, oh, come on, you've got Kevin McHale clotheslining Kurt Rambis, and that's a common foul. Things have changed. You can't do this stuff anymore. He's got to get in line. I will say this. Next time you watch the Warriors, if you watch, by the way, Christmas Day on ABC, uh, the Warriors are playing the Nuggets. That's their early game. Uh, it's probably like 8.30 in the morning, uh, your time, 8.30, 9.30. Anyway, um, the Draymond injury or suspension has given the opportunity to a young rookie from Indiana to come in, Trace Jackson Davis. Right. Remember the name? I remember him. Jackson Davis. You remember Dale Davis's kid when sure. he played for the Panthers? He was a monster. This is his son. Oh, I didn't he know that. Knows, yeah. He knows how to play, and he's going to get extended minutes along with Brandon Pajemski, who is at Santa Clara. So they're. Steve has to occur, has to go with more of the young guys. Uh, you know, Andrew Wiggins, I don't know what's up with him. He, when he shows up, he doesn't show up. He doesn't feel like playing. I, I don't know. You can't count on him. And Clay is coming around. I think the win over the Celtics the other night was enormous, and Steph right. was magnificent. Lucky to, to, to be able to watch him play every game. Yeah, that was incredible. I wish we had more time because we love talking with you. We can do a whole show uh, talking with Larry Beal. It's always great. Again, I want to thank you for joining us, of course, and uh, wish you and your family a Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. We're going to talk about 49ers-Ravens maybe uh, after we get closer to the playoffs. I know. That's going to be big as well coming up. Thanks, Larry. All right, take care. Aloha, guys. All right, Aloha, Larry Beal, joining us here on ESPN Honolulu and does a great job, of course, up there. He's an ambassador ambassador for Hawaii, among other things, and uh, always love talking UH sports and more. Well, it's time to make you a winner, and I will take caller number two this time at 808-296-1420. Give us a ring, and you can be the winner of two tickets for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl coming up this Saturday, the 23rd. Tomorrow is Friday, of course, and it's Kahala Friday. You can upgrade your island style with Kahala. It's the original Aloha shirt since 1936. Pick up one for yourself at one of Kahala's six stores island-wide or check out kahala.com.
I have yet to hear one of my favorite songs. I always, I've heard Silent Night by Stevie Nicks, which is my favorite version of one of my favorite Christmas songs. Another one of mine, at least, is Bruce Springsteen singing a live version of Santa Claus is Coming to Town. I remember when he recorded it. I remember the college he recorded that. Yeah, he was playing colleges back then. CW Post, for those of you scoring at home. Gary Dickman and Tanner Hayworth here. We want to congratulate Charles from Punchbowl. He was he was caller number, whatever caller I asked. I think it was two this time. Uh, he was the winner and got two tickets for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. And we'll have more tickets to give out on our show tomorrow. Another set. Remember, the game is Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Josh will have an abbreviated version of Off the Bench today. He is flying solo, although I offered to help. Uh, he did not want me. I'm just <laughs> kind of joking. Only kind of. Well, he'll be, on, he'll be on from the Stan Sheriff Center from 3 to 5 doing Off the Bench, and then I will join him officially at 5 for Rainbow Warrior Countdown for UH Men's Basketball. Again, that game is scheduled to start at 6, and uh, for the umpteenth time, if you're not sure how these formats work, for whatever reason, they schedule games two hours apart in the first day and some on the second but it's almost impossible to start that game two hours after the first game started without being too confusing. Four o'clock has got Georgia Tech UMass. Hawaii scheduled at six, but you have to give the teams 20 minutes minimum to warm up on the court, NCAA rule. So if the game beforehand starts and ends at six, which it should within a few minutes, uh, the Hawaii game really couldn't start before at 620. But we'll keep you updated on that uh, as we start Rainbow Warrior Countdown at 5 p.m. here on ESPN Honolulu. And uh, again, looking forward to a great tournament. And uh, again, I, I used to go as a fan to these tournaments before I worked here at the station. And there's just nothing like being there for so many games, so many quality games at that as well. Now, I want to let you know also, because I uh, we do have Thursday night football today, and that will be New Orleans and the Rams. That'll be on CBS 1500 starting at 2.30. But we've got one of the semifinals. Now, Josh is going to be really busy today. Uh, he will be doing the broadcast for the Iolani Classic second semifinal game. That is scheduled for a coverage starting at 7.50 p.m. on CBS 1500. I, I'm not sure which game he has. We'll find out a little bit later. But we do have Iolani Classic coverage starting uh, uh, again, for that one semifinal. Then tomorrow, the championship. Also, coverage starting at 7.50 for an 8 o'clock tip-off. Just so many great sporting events going on. Of course, you've got the football teams in town for the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl as well. So, big weekend. Love it, love it. And I heard Bobby Curran say this the other day. Kind of interesting when you look at it. Uh, because this is the first time in a, maybe since these events started that on Christmas Day, there's no game here. In other words, it used to be a time the Hawaii Bowl would be on Christmas. There were times over the last, I don't know how many years, where the Diamond Head Classic Championship game is on Christmas. Because of the NFL, the nerve of those guys, and their scheduling for Sunday and Monday, uh, they moved everything back kind of a day. So the bowl game is on Saturday the 23rd, not Christmas Eve, not Christmas Day, and that's never happened as far as I can recall. And for the Diamond Head, uh, people can go on Christmas Eve, still get out early. If Hawaii does play in the championship, that'll be at 4 o'clock. So you get out early, and Christmas Day, everybody gets the day off, and that's a first for a lot of people, so that's pretty cool. I think it also kind of makes sense, just what do you think about scheduling-wise in general? I think for most, having Christmas on a Monday is just... Yucky. Well, it has to happen every now and then. It has to happen, <laughs> but it's like, come on. Come on, come on, world government. Wait a minute, when you say that, actually, <laughs> see, I look at it a little bit differently, because when Christmas is on a Sunday... 
people like us, we don't we, we work on Monday the twenty sixth, so you don't get that Christmas day off. True, true. true. And I know that. <laughs> and you know, other people work like work through those kind of okay, situations but, as okay, well. Okay, but what if if Christmas was on like a Friday? That's really cool. Because yeah, you, you end your yeah. week with Christmas. And, well, also when you, you get Christmas start, Eve, which is usually a half day. Right. So when you start your week with Christmas, your week can only get worse. I'm sorry. I'll be the one to say it. Uh, nothing's getting any better. I think Liz is either wanting to get a pen or she has something to say. <laughs> I do because I actually noticed a few weeks ago that January 1st falls on a Monday. I love that. I found super satisfying. That's I awesome. I want to hear your take on that. Well, same kind of principles there. You, I mean, That's it, great. It, it, I mean, because you're going to get the weekend off anyway for the most part. You don't want to lose that day. Now, most people, if you get if you have Christmas or New Year's on a Saturday or a Sunday, you get either Friday or Monday off. It's a legal holiday. But for some of us, you don't get that extra day off. I'd rather have it on a weekday. Super satisfying that New Year's Day is on a Monday. It would all – because it is the first day. It's the – you know, to be in most religions, that's like, oh, the first day, you know, all that stuff. And like the last day, which is supposed to be Sunday, which is like the day of rest. So it only makes sense that Monday being the first like few seconds, the first thing you will be seeing is light in a way, yeah. especially for me, because living out in Eva Beach, that's the I will not be able to not See the fireworks. I didn't. Oh, I know. There's a great vantage point right near my house over the freeway where cars park. The last uh, two years have been insane, by the way. The last, I, I think live, every year. Has been I live insane. in like a a community of fireworks people. By the way, did you see yesterday where they busted a ship? That was they found an entire shipping container full of the illegal fireworks. Yeah, they got a tip on it, I guess, and <laughs> took that and uh, took all that. And, that ruined somebody's I, li- I live in the area by White Kelly, and they had the Cam Highway overpass by the H1. And I noticed a few years ago, I think it was two years ago, where cars were just parked all over the side of the road. And now it's illegal. Now they have cops there. If you well, park there, you're going to get a ticket. I would hope that it was illegal before to park on the freeway. No, it wasn't par- you weren't parking on the freeway. You were parking on the side of okay. Camp Highway on the side of the bridge. So you could see the fireworks. You weren't on the freeway. You weren't on Cam Highway. You were on the shoulder. Sorry. But still, there was a lot of cars. I'm not talking about five or ten. I'm talking about 50 or 60. I remember, Maybe not that many. I remember one year. Uh, I don't know what section of the H1 this is, but it's right in front of the uh, – I think it's right by the H1-H2 merge that yeah. happens. But um, Or right where uh, Pearl City is. You know the Pearl City yeah. off-ramp? I remember seeing people – parked on the side of the freeway there and setting up beach chairs in the bed of their trucks wow. to watch the fireworks. Yeah, that's incredible. I also live in an area real quick where it's one of those streets near me. It's a side street in Waikele where they have the houses dressed up that are on the news all the time. Right. There are cars parked every night since Friday or Saturday, literally 20. The whole street <laughs> is full of cars that are parked, and they just walk up and down these two side streets where one house has the entire house decorated in light. They've got a like a hundred inch TV screen with a video of Christmas themes playing. What it's is, incredible. Uh, we'll get more into that in a well, minute. We are up against what's the their clock. electric bill like uh, for a couple of weeks. It's really, really high. They're maybe, saving up the year for that. Maybe one. they would be uh, why to do this. You can win a thousand dollars cash to pay your electric bill or do anything else, <laughs> or a hundred dollars in weekly prizes and ESPN Honolulu's Pigskin Picks. Brought to you by M Dyer Global and Young's Fish Market. All you have to do is visit ESPNHonolulu.com right now to register. And there won't be snow in Africa this Christmas. 
back in the home stretch. Remember, at noon today, we've got the best of ESPN Honolulu. You would think, how can we condense it into just one hour? Apparently, that wasn't too difficult. Uh, so it's we're going to really have the best easy. Of ESPN Honestly, Honolulu. it's hard to fill up the hour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was looking at the glass being half. Full, I guess. But uh, we'll have that at noon. Josh again with Off the Bench at 3 p.m. I understand one of his guests was a guy he... Oh, today, I guess. Is it today or yesterday when Hunter Hunter was on? Yeah. Oh, no. It was yesterday, it was yesterday. we had okay. Hunter on. So that was He's enjoying cool. his time in uh, Tulsa. He's in Tulsa? Yes. Thought it been, no, we thought it was Oklahoma. Oklahoma City, but it's Tulsa. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, I want to get to a couple of texts real fast. Uh, and this was a fun one or an interesting one based on what we were talking about with uh, starting maybe a GoFundMe for Larry Beal so he can maybe come here to play college football. And the texter said, you guys are from Punahou. There's more than $20 you? in your wallets. Well, okay. that's why I want to half bring it us, up. Half of us. Half of us are. I've been to Punahou. Not as a student, but as a fan watching basketball games over the years. But it's Chris and Tanner are from Puno. So now there's pressure also, on you guys. Buddy, Come on. Buddy, I'm a college student. I am in debt right now. <laughs> but you're also a working college student. So um, we're going to Yeah, mark but you no down. matter how much I work, like I'll eventually pay off my dues. Technically, I'm still going to school. So I will be in debt for a little bit. I will um I will mark you down for a few more zeros on that 20 and certainly with Chris as well. Hey, I have to get gas too, you know. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, good point. Another text comes in. We had Larry Beal on a few minutes ago. It says back in the 80s, KGMB TV used to have a segment where people would play the TV sports guide. He says myself, this I don't have a name here, but he says myself and Fred, whoever Fred is, uh, played Larry Beal and Matt Pinto in ping pong up at a UH dorm. I think we won, he says. Great times back then. Wonder if Larry would remember that. Uh, I wish I would have saw that while Larry was on the show. I apologize for not seeing it before, but I will pass that along to Larry. But uh, you think you won. But that was a long time ago, so I can understand that. Matt Pinto used to be with KGMB-TV. I believe he he was and might still be an NBA announcer. For a while, he was with Charlotte. I think it was with Charlotte and Oklahoma City. Mm. And at least one of those teams, if not both, but uh, a name from the past. But that's pretty cool. I I do not remember those segments. And I was here in the 80s, but I do not remember that. Hey, I want to also remind everybody about HCAMP. It's the Hawaii Concussion Awareness Management Program, and it reminds parents, coaches, and athletes to learn more about recognizing concussion symptoms. All you have to do is visit hawaiiconcussion.com for more information, definitely for a good cause. So take advantage of that. Uh, We've only got about a minute left in the show, and uh, we'll talk more about UH football signings tomorrow. We'll see if there is another name or two that does come into play. And uh, somebody texting in real fast, will more students show up at the Diamond Head? Probably not not no. because students are mostly home. So Sunday's <laughs> Nevada game, there was just a small handful of students. It's Christmas. And rainbow dancers. I guess everybody go. not everybody, a lot of people go home for the holidays. So we're not going to have probably a big student turnout Look, tonight. It, it's Christmas. People are home. Uh, it, it is what it is. Not everyone from the University of Hawaii is from Hawaii. And, so or when you say even, home, you mean the mainland even, or outer yeah, island, or, neighbor island? Yeah, or neighbor islands as well. So, I mean... it. I mean, this show went by so quickly. We barely even got to talk about a really interesting Thursday night football game. Yeah, the Saints and Rams don't sound too interesting, but there are major playoff implications. Could be an elimination game, game for one of those teams, and there there are a lot of games. We'll focus a little bit more on the NFL tomorrow. We're also going to have a guest from San Jose State talk about their game coming up, obviously with the bowl game on Saturday. And uh, we encourage you to come down to the Stan Sheriff Center first game of the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic, a little over an hour away. Hawaii scheduled at six. 
probably going to go uh, starting around 6.20. But our coverage definitely starting at 5 p.m. Rainbow Warrior Countdown. That's about all the time we have. Great job, Tanner and Liz. We'll see you tomorrow at 7. Great job, Have Gary. a great day. Thank you. Aloha.